Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Vodka Foley, a.k.a. Vodka. Uh, Vodka has been a friend of mine on the internet for quite some time. I commissioned her to do the work, uh, to do the artwork on one of my side podcasts called Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, on about the Cowboy View podcast. Um, but I've been wanting to get her on, a sh- on the show for a long time. Uh, she's a... Like I said, she's an artist. She's real big into fashion, so we talk a lot about like bloodborne clothes. Uh, but she's just a huge bloodborne fan, and she's just uh, one of these people that likes to rip apart the game and, and talk about all of the cool lore details and makeup headcanon and things like that. So I'm pretty into all of that stuff, and I hope you are too. Enjoy the episode. Way back in the day, when Kryken was doing his uh, Edward Emberpants Let's Play on YouTube, mm-hmm. and um, Varty joined in for the vast majority of the episodes, and then um, there was like links down to Varty's like um, yeah his little videos, and then um, I saw like because I sort of like, I was watching them play this game, and I was like, oh, this looks cool. I don't understand what the hell is going on. I mean, it looks like knights and there's some like fantasy stuff going on and and I thought oh this is kind of like my thing I really love this but I didn't like understand any of like the world building and the story at all so I was like okay so if I watch um these lore videos maybe I'll have like a a better understanding of like the jokes that they're making so um I clicked on the Bloodborne one it was like the whole story explained and I was like okay I have no idea what this is about, so I'm going to click on it anyway. And um, is that something that you do a lot? Like, do you do you usually like watch videos on video games before you play them to kind of get an idea of what they are and if they're worth your time? Yeah, I think I tend to spoil myself on video games. I've never really been one who sort of like goes on like a, a complete online blackout when it comes to video games because I like to know what I'm getting into and I like to know what other people's thoughts are mm-hmm. before I actually you know buy the game. So um. I watched like the whole story explained Bloodborne. So I watched this as like, okay, so it's like Penny Dreadful meets HP Lovecraft. And I was like, okay, and then there's these characters and like, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I got more and more into the story and I was just like, well, this is really cool. But I like, I haven't played it for myself and I don't have a PS4. So um, I was like, I only had like my PC at the time mm-hmm. before I got my Bloodborne machine. So um, we... I got like really into the lore and that without even like playing the game or whatever. So um, I got really interested in the story. I was like reading other people's lore. And then I started like, I discovered Aegon stuff through oh, yeah. Varty. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was through Aegon. And then I read The Pale Blood Hunt by Redgrave. And that was in- really interesting because it was like really nice seeing people's different interpretations of just it's just like a video game but there's so many different interpretations and it was just really interesting and I love the world building aspect in video games and um what kind of stuff were you playing around this time like what kind of like did you have connections um, to like these kind of like action RPG games and or games with a lot of story and world building I played a lot of Dishonored before then and um that was another game that really like sucked me in because it had like such a, a strong um like world setting was so involved and detailed and there was like lots of little tidbits that you could find and it was like a treasure hunt but with like lore dumps and that was really good and then I, I was watching people play through Bloodborne I was like oh there's all like these little bits of information sort of hidden here and hidden there and it's like yeah it was, it was like being a kid on an easter egg hunt I was like oh this is brilliant there's like all this information <laughs> that I can just go out and look for and it's great and it's not like spoon fed to you or like just handed to you on a platter you actually got to go out and look for it your uh your easter hunts must be much more bloody and scary than the ones we have (laughs) (laughs) involves many more werewolves (laughs) yeah Yeah. so um so like i kept like saying to my brothers like this is a really cool game but you know i can't afford a ps4 so um he he must have gotten the hint i wasn't like asking for the like the ps4 he just like one day is just like Da-da, here's your birthday present. It's a PS4 with Bloodborne. I was like, oh, this is the best day ever. So um, I I did go into Bloodborne knowing exactly like all of the twists and the story um, 
I sort of knew what was going to happen. So I wasn't going in completely blind. So um, I did like spoil myself a lot on that aspect. And I thought, okay, well, Bloodborne, this is a pretty good game. And I've heard that the developers have made other games, especially Dark Souls. And I didn't really like... Dark Souls wasn't really on my radar because it came out at the same time as Skyrim. But because Skyrim was so much more accessible... um, yeah, I just sort of like was fully absorbed with Skyrim at the time. I didn't even know that Dark Souls was a thing. And I just sort of sort of heard like it mentioned on forums as oh, it's this really hardcore game for really hardcore gamers and there's like oh it's got a re- this is like they were saying, Oh, it's got a really toxic community and it's just like, oh, okay then. <laughs> you know the whole PvP get good thing sure, like, oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay over here with my Skyrim and my millions of mods and like I'm not gonna like engage in pvp it's interesting and things like that i've uh, over the last like few weeks i've interviewed like a bunch of um fanfic artists or fanfic writers and artists and um, mm-hmm. i always ask them like when because most of them came to the series late or, or only recently and i ask them like what was it like when you started sharing your you know your souls or bloodborne stuff online did you get any kind of negative reaction and they're like oh actually no everybody was really great and really cool i've heard it's really bad mm-hmm. on the pv pvp side but for me it's been great and i'm like where were these people at when i I was playing I know, Dark Souls like, in 2011. <laughs> yeah, like, I've had nothing but good, like, interactions with the community. Community is, like, the best community I've ever been with, like, online. I mean, I've been, like, it, I suppose it's the first one I've really, like, really gotten into and, like, reached out to people rather than just sort of, like, sit in my corner and absorb fan art and, like, spew out a bit of uh, writing periodically. But, um... Yeah, this is the first community where I've like really had a lot of feedback from other people and sort of reached out and like had such a good response. And it's just like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> this is the best community. There's like, I know there's like toxic elements of the community and there's, you get them everywhere. But like, and especially like the, oh, get good. Oh, if you don't play this way, you're, you're, you're crap. And it's like, you know, everybody plays the way they want to. And if you want to do a no weapons, no armor, uh, blood level four run that's fine ladle run that's cool but you can also like the idea of, of carrying it at all what other people do mm-hmm. like is really yeah kind of foreign to me because when i play video games i don't like i, I just want to have a good time like good time maybe like mm-hmm. putting in a bit much of cheat codes or it may be you know a no hunter's dream run of bloodborne which which is yeah. impossible basically well, i know it's not impossible but it's it, it's impossible for me um mm-hmm. either way is fine like i just whatever you're having a good time doing and or whatever is worth your time so like I, i've always hated that side of this community of like summoning is cheating you know using pyro mm-hmm. in a dark in a soul level one run in dark souls one is cheating and i'm like uh it's in the game dog <laughs> like they built it yeah it's just a game like <laughs> calm down As i know people get like really into their their video games but it's like I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> like, I just want to play video games and have fun. It's like, if I'm going to cheat in the game, it's, you know, it's not going to detract from anybody else's experiences. Well, quote unquote cheating, because you can't. It's, I'm I'm shit at hacking, so I'm, I'll never be able to hack Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Yeah, I think that's the that's the line that I've always drawn in my head of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like okay, and never would anyway. Yeah, like when when I was yeah. doing a lot of Dark Souls one PvP, I would use save mules. So I would, you know, mm-hmm. I would have ten characters with, you know, a billion souls and all of the items at plus ten. But I wasn't like abusing that to grief anybody. Yeah. Like I was just making ready-made PvP characters, so I didn't have to play the game for ten hours every time I booted it up. Uh, I just wanted yeah. to, you know, do my dumb dual claw build and be done. <laughs> go to the and go to the yeah. ship, and that was where I was going to stay. <laughs> and karmic justice people off of, you know, the. <laughs> the, the water slides in Anna Londo. Yep. They're not water slides. They're in flying buttresses. Is the, <laughs> the architectural term. Actually, I mean, water slides would be rafters. a lot more fun if you think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just turn. Let's just buy Anna Londo and turn it into a water park. <laughs> I like this idea yeah. a lot. <laughs> Miyazaki, get on it. Yeah, you know, seriously. water park. Next game, <laughs> VR. <laughs> Namco's going to do it and then charge a hundred thousand dollars for entrance fees. Oh yeah. Long. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it would be like a, it would be like an exclusive event, Japan only. So you have to fly out there, and it's like that. So what was it like finally <laughs> uh, putting your hands on the game when you find, when you're when you got this this nice gift from your family? Was it was it pretty was, difficult to play? And were you like kind of going through and like were you remembering the stuff that you had seen from lore videos and things as you were playing? Um, I like I think all of the like 
I was sort of reading the walkthroughs as I was going along, so I sort of knew where everything was. But like, I was scared shitless. <laughs> I was stuck in Central Yarnum for about three hours because <laughs> there was just every little and the sound design is amazing in these games, and that's what really drew me in because um, you know, I had like a little growl here, and like you'd hear people coughing and dying behind doors and like moaning and you know like the cleric beast howl as you go up the li- the ladder and it's like it's just like, it really sucks you in and it was just oh it's the best thing ever <laughs> i loved it <laughs> you were addicted immediately yeah immediately addicted i was just like oh, i'm i'm so scared like my hands are shaking with the controller like knees knees weak arm spaghetti you know <laughs> <laughs> i finally got through central yarnum and it was just yeah it was great what yeah. was that? Uh, what was that first build like? Giant weapons, um, super fast weapons. A mess. <laughs> I didn't know how to do skill. <laughs> I didn't know how to build a, build a character at all because I was so used to like in, in Skyrim. You've got like the um, the trees, the skill trees, and then coming into Bloodborne, it's just like oh, you put points in into it, and I was like, mm. so I thought ah, strength and hell. Yeah, I guess I think I went for a strength build. But I can't remember because that character is such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I went for the, like the the big hitting weapons because they make like a big bang. Yeah, hell yeah, that's what I yep. like too. Yeah, I used the I used the yeah. threaded cane on my first run, um, mm-hmm. but only because I was an Ivy main in Soul Calibur, so I was like, okay, well, this is obviously the <laughs> yeah. weapon that was made for me. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, every subsequent, almost every subsequent playthrough has been big fuck off weapons that you can smash things with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you got that that knockback damage. I was just like, oh yes, I could smash a werewolf into the floor with a snor- <laughs> the snor- <laughs> saw cleaver. And I was just like, yeah, this is great. And there's so much blood, and it's pretty. And oh yeah, it's great. Uh, going back to the kind of world building and the story, like, mm-hmm. what do you think it was uh, with this weird world of monstrosities that was kind of drawing you in so much that you were, you know, consuming the lore videos of a game you hadn't quite even played yet? Um, I think mainly it was the aesthetic because it was like that that creepy, penny-dreadful, Victorian, not-quite-Victorian-era monster-hunting, you know, like Van Helsing sort of thing. And that was, like, my favourite v- movie growing up. We were talking, I was talking about it with um, with Richard in um, the server. It was, like, it's so, like, gimmicky now. It's just like, oh, there's so many, like, Victorian-era monster-hunting films. But I love them. I just love that whole, that era, the aesthetic. And I was... Yeah, running around killing werewolves with this big, oversized, monstrous, monstrous saw cleaver and just, like, you know, hacking them around. It was great. Yeah, there's something about that style in Bloodborne that mm-hmm. it works for me in a way that some of the other, like, TV shows that kind of try to get there don't. And I've, I've, I haven't mm-hmm. quite put my finger on what it is. Maybe it's just, like, just the amount of blood or maybe it's just, the like, the interactivity I get because I can actually play through it. And, like, that, that makes you, I think, bond with it a little bit more than just watching yeah, it. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it is the interactivity aspect rather than just sort of like passively passively absorbing it as if you're watching on TV, you're actually there experiencing the fear for yourself. And I think that's what really draws you in. And like, it was like the little tip, just the way the, the city is set out. It, it doesn't quite feel like a living city, but you know, you've got like people walking around and you see like there's people's houses and you can see shop signs and you could see evidence of people were there at some point you know you see the broken down carriages and like you can even see people's um suitcases as they try to leave and they obviously didn't get out of town quick enough and then just those little clutter design elements like made it feel like it was like a really thought out well thought out world instead of just oh there this is the level we've made it sort of we've made it look all gothic and pretty but like a lot of thought has gone into just the aesthetic, just making it look like a living city rather than, oh, yeah, this is just a level design, you know. There's something about uh, all of the From Software games uh, mm-hmm. th- where it seems like everything is there for a very specific reason, but you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll find myself, like, you know, stopping and, and like, why is this carriage here? What is it trying to tell mm-hmm. me? Like, I'm doing those kind of things where a lo- most other video games, I-, I don't care. Like, I was playing a little bit of Red Dead and that game is beautiful and gorgeous, but like I've seen a million trees and like, I don't really care about Mm -hmm. what those trees mean from a, from a lore standpoint or anything because it's, they're just put them there because they look good. Uh, And there's something that, and I don't know how that comes across to the player so well in a from software game versus just about anything, uh, any other game I could think of. It's weird. 
Mm. I think it's because it's not really an open world like Skyrim or Red Dead is. So they have to sort of stick to a certain level design. So they're going to like make it as interesting as possible, I guess, because it's kind of limited on where you can go. And especially compared to Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne, the Bloodborne's level design is very streamlined. I found that in Dark Souls, it's so easy to get lost. Because it's just, it just, you can go any direction that you want. I mean, you're going to get your ass kicked no matter where you go. (laughs) But with Bloodborne, it's sort of like, there's a kind of a linear path. I mean, there's lots of little like side areas that you can sort of wander off to and get lost and get horribly murdered. You know, little dark alleyways and ladders going up to places. But um, it's, it's a pretty streamlined experience compared to Dark Souls. I haven't finished Dark Souls yet, but um, yeah, it's a lot, it feels a lot more open, even though it's sort of like stacked, like the levels are sort of stacked on each other in terms of like world design. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you can like sort of wander around a lot. I mean, when you start off in Firelink Shrine, you can start, you can go down to the catacombs or you can go down to like um, New Londo. I forget. New Londo, that's the one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, ha- you, c- you have to follow a certain, um, a certain set of paths first because you've got to like kill the the four lords before you can actually like access certain areas but um but it's weird but like in it because in dark souls like the, the big moments are you know you get to the church and you take the elevator down and mm-hmm. holy shit you're in fire link oh it's actually all connected and yeah you get that in bloodborne but it's a little bit more self-contained like you know you get that in central yeah. yarnum but central yarnum doesn't necessarily directly connect to uh the forbidden forest or, or whatever or whatever, whatever yeah. snake forest is named. I actually don't remember the name of the snake forest. So. It's called the Forbidden Woods. Forbidden yeah, Woods. Forbidden Woods. Okay, cool. It's just, it's just a circle in the map, and it just says snakes in the middle. <laughs> I was, uh, I was Nothing recording with somebody, uh, and this episode will be out next week, so it'll be out like way before this one comes out. Um, and we couldn't remember Henwick Charnel Lane, and we both called it Hemlock Grove, which is a TV show on Netflix about werewolves and vampires. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not it's not far it's off. Not, it's me. not it's really not far <laughs> off. That's, I think there's there's something there that where we got we you know there's something about that that we, we didn't get where we got yeah. a confused. <clears throat> I mean, there's werewolves involved. There's creepy witches. You know, sort of, sort of. <laughs> tangent. Ta- tangent. Jean Grey is you know, there for word. no reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. I'm curious, like, you obviously have played a lot of Bloodborne and you love that game. Um, how mm-hmm. long did it take you to, to go from, like, your Bloodborne addiction to go, okay, I'm going to try Dark Souls out for the first time? Um, I think I sat with Bloodborne for a good six months, like, playing it over and over again because I was addicted to it. And then I sort of, as I mentioned earlier, like, I saw Aegon stuff and Redgrave stuff and Richard stuff. And I was like, well, they're putting out like lore videos on this other game, like Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3. And so I watched, especially Theomeni's um, Dark Souls 2 playthrough, I watched that quite a lot. And I was watching their lore videos and I was thinking, oh, well, it's similar to Bloodborne. And I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a go. So I started with Dark Souls 3 and then I did Dark Souls 2 and then Dark Souls 1. So I just sort of did it backwards. <laughs> And you finished uh, <laughs> three and two, but you haven't finished one yet. Is that what I remember you saying? Uh, I still need to finish three, okay. and I got really frustrated with with two. <laughs> so, yeah, we um, I still got to kill Prince Lothric in, oh, in yeah. three, so you, oh, and then yeah, I'll be you're done. Not, you're not far off at all. Yeah, I just fell back into Bloodborne's waiting arms. You know, <laughs> I got really frustrated <laughs> with the two dragons on the bridge. I was going to ask, like, what the. <laughs> like how the setting changed because you know dark souls is much more fantasy oriented than bloodborne like was Mm -hmm. that something that you struggled with like because the aesthetic changed and the aesthetic was kind of the thing that pulled you in to begin with um i love the fantasy aesthetic anyway so it was just like oh it's just like skyrim except it's not (laughs) except it's really not (laughs) i can't eat a whole cheese wheel Um, in Dark Souls, there'd only I be did. one cheese wheel, and it would be like you would give it to somebody, and they would cry and then like die because that's, yep. that's the way NPCs die and die and go hollow. <laughs> <laughs> you get this moldy cheese wheel item. <laughs> um, I think I struggled. The thing I struggled most with is how slow it is compared to Bloodborne. And Bloodborne, you, you like you sort of zip around and you dodge, and like there's no shield whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You just sort of like parry and pray for the best. With um, Dark Souls, I'm always forgetting that you can use a shield. And I forget that you have to play a bit more slowly. And I was like, I didn't like the whole fat rolling thing. I'm used to running around in like my designer Ralph Lauren <laughs> Bloodborne jacket. 
<laughs> no weight problems whatsoever. And in Dark Souls, I put on too much armor because it looks good. as Oh, no, I'm fat rolling. I got, um, this is the worst. I got really into... This was years and years ago. This was right after Dark Souls 2 had originally come out. And um, mm-hmm. In fact, I, I met a good friend of mine. I met Nikki because uh, she had a Tumblr... And we would go back and forth, like, trading Dark Souls posts on Tumblr all the time. And for some reason, I got mm-hmm. it in my head to, like, start Photoshopping, um, like, fashion logos onto Dark Souls 2 images. So I had, like, one <laughs> of the Emerald Herald that had, like, Versace written across it. And I was like, yes, this is the, dumb- this is the dumbest and coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I love that stuff. I love when video games and fashion intersect like that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's another thing in Bloodborne that I really liked was the whole fashion aspect mm-hmm. i mean i've I like i've been talking to ko kagero about it for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> just pointing out oh yeah that's a tea dress from like the 19 the 1900 that's an edwardian dress and oh queenie narnum's dress is an elizabethan sort of design but the skirt is uh victorian from the 1850s and it's like pointing out all these different things as oh yeah they use that in this time period and oh yeah and like Seeing all of their inspirations, I think that that was like one of the more most interesting aspects of seeing. Oh yeah, they got inspired by this to make this character, especially like Volta's constable outfit mm-hmm. is um, basically just a police outfit from like the uh, Victorian era. And but like right down to the lamp that he has on his belt is just like perfectly accurate. And I was just like, oh my god, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited. I was like, oh, I've seen that in real life, and it was really cool. I was about to say, it sounds like you have a background in this in these stuff because I just looked at it. and I was like, oh yeah, he looks like a cop, but I wasn't like, oh yes, he mm-hmm. looks like a you know fourteen hundred seventy two cop or anything like that. So it's yeah. it's interesting how they pull this, these real world examples out and how. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you find that has any effect on the the story? Like, do you, can you pull out more details knowing a little bit about the history of the fashion that the characters are wearing? Um. Yes and no, because I feel like they've. They've obviously taken an inspiration from like certain time periods designs, but at the same time, it's kind of divorced from its original context. It's like it's like they liked that design, especially Henrik's um, outfit is based on the Brotherhood of the Wolf. One of the characters in that one, I haven't seen the film yet. Yes, but, um, mm-hmm. you should yeah, watch that so, film. It's not it's not like super yeah. great, but it's it's just worthy for the fashion in it alone. So. I should because it's French and I'm French and I should have watched it by now. You you wouldn't even have to have subtitles. Yeah. So it's nice seeing like little references to real life um, outfits within like the video game. I can see why they'd have, they would have chosen it, but um, like trying to find a reason for it in world is a bit more difficult. And it feels like you're sort of like venturing into headcanon territory rather than sort of, oh yeah, this is why they're wearing this. Rather than it's, it's all head cannons. <laughs> I can't I can't put a post on Reddit saying, "Oh yeah, this is why they're wearing this." It's like I'd, I'd get booed off. <laughs> someone would, as Richard said, someone would come up to be like, "Actually, like, oh. <laughs> well, actually, I can't deal with that kind of criticism." Yeah, that's why I don't put anything on Reddit ever because I don't, I don't yeah. want I, want, I don't want any any redditors responding to me ever. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I take that. I mean, the, oh, Reddit's a scary place. Yeah, I've heard good things about the Dark Souls Reddit. I, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I don't spend a lot of time there, so I don't want to just you know hand wave all of them to be bad people. But you know, most mm-hmm. of them definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> it's where it's like the source of the get good stuff. Sure, like all yeah. of the get good posts is just like avoid it. That that's the dark place. The sun doesn't shine there. We don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of that on Tumblr back in the day too. Oh but. no, on Tumblr's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> no, Tumblr's just as bad. But it's like the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like the purity brigade. And oh, I shouldn't talk about that. But, you know. Do you have um, from Bloodborne? Because I'm getting the impression mm-hmm. that like Bloodborne is your is your one true love in all of this. It's um, my baby. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite character or a favorite? boss design or like what what do when you think about bloodborne like what is the thing that comes mm-hmm. to mind that gives you puts a smile on your face um i think the beast designs and the boss designs especially i'm not so fussed about the sort of humanoid ones but like vicar amelia the cleric beast dark beast pal and it's, it's just like these big doggos but they're really big <laughs> very screamy <laughs> it's just <laughs> i just love it it's like it's, Especially Vicar Amelia, she's like, obviously it's sort of a Wendigo, Jersey Devil type deal, but she's got like a really long neck and her teeth are all 
like they're all uniform but peg like and it's i'm thinking oh that doesn't really look like a dog's mouth like all the teeth are kind of weird but and yeah sometimes they've got like double rows of teeth and the werewolves are like you know the whole that blind eye thing that's really cool um i think dark beast pearl is my favorite boss really because yeah I'm, i think i know a lot of people struggle with him but i just go in there and just smash his knees and it's just yeah <laughs> That's, put the, I've been put playing the Bloodborne since release, since the day it came out, um, and I, mm-hmm. I, that is still the boss that I struggle with the most. It's just one I just I don't know why. I, it's just a confusing mass of limbs and fur and electricity. And then I oh did. yeah, it's just like lots of screaming and there's fur and there's electricity and there's, and because he's got such a weird sort of uh, model and hitbox, it's just like you're swinging but you're not hitting anything because he hasn't got anything to hit. Exactly, it's just yeah. a bone. I hope you clip his kneecap sometimes. Yeah, but I think every playthrough I look forward to fighting Paul or Cleric Beast. Not so much Amelia because she does that um, healing move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. man. I'm trying. I was trying to actually think about my favorite boss in Bloodborne, and it's. I think it's just always going to be Orphan of Cause. Like as much as I love mm-hmm. all of the all of the enemies and all of the weird monster designs, like there's something about the Orphan of Cause fight that I just always go back to, and I'm just like, yes, let's. Yeah, let's he do kicked this. my ass many a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anybody has an easy time with with orphan cost. To be fair, That's, it's just yeah, it's so true. much screaming and jumping. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 jump ship for a little bit uh, because mm-hmm. um, just recently, this is the first podcast that I've recorded with someone who has played Darasine 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 and. So you've played it to completion. Uh, you're doing lore videos and lore dives and looking at screenshots. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're going hardcore into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Literally, uh, and like the 30 minutes before this podcast, I played the first couple of levels of it because I just I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to talk about it with you without without just guessing. Um, so this is going to be a, a don't give up skeleton exclusive. This is the first time we actually get to talk about the game. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me about your experiences with that because it's such a such a unique from experience compared to uh, you know anything that they've done previous anything mm-hmm. that they've done previously, but anything that they've been doing for the last few years. Um, I think I was more excited to see Delastine than I was to see Sekiro, to be honest. And even though it was like a VR exclusive, I was thinking, oh no, the financial cost is like I'm poor, but I've got to buy this VR set because it looks really good. Um, I think it's the first from game that I've gone into completely blind in terms of blind, um, gameplay. And I think that was, I was, just, I was so excited <laughs> to just get into it. <laughs> and it was just really good. I don't want to spoil it because I expect a lot, not a lot of people have played it and you haven't finished it to completion either. No, but, but I want to, um, like, I just kind of want to talk about, um, like, mm-hmm. the atmosphere and, like, kind of exploring that because it's it's so interesting to be... Going back to that thing that we said earlier, right, with where From Software seems to make these these worlds and everything there has a purpose, it's mm-hmm. it's a totally different experience. And I wasn't expecting this to affect me so much, but it's a totally different experience being able to like look around that stuff in in, in VR because like it's it's like it's right there in front of you. And for all of like yeah. the quirkiness that VR has, you know, going into like one of the like first floor areas is like a library and I was just like standing mm-hmm. there just looking up and going like oh I bet this is what it feels like to be like in that room in Canehurst like that you run through to get yes, to the yes exactly yeah so like I, it's it's such an interesting experience like I just I kind of get overwhelmed with it mm. I was quite overwhelmed at first and I was, I was really worried about the motion sickness aspect because um I played the, like the free game that came with VR I think it was like Astrobot and I found where you're moving constantly in that um, it made me feel really sick after about 30 minutes and I had to stop. Mm-hmm. But, um, with um, Deracine, um, where you're... I know a lot of people complained about the whole teleportation aspect in the demos. And I found I find I prefer to teleport around the map rather than, like, move. Because otherwise, I think that would really put a lot of people off in terms of, like, motion sickness. And um, Miyazaki himself said that he suffers from it. So yeah. I think that's a really good... Um, design choice is that design choice gameplay choice yeah i think i think they really did good there by um having the teleportation i'm uh very susceptible to that myself mm-hmm. i've had vr for quite some time i've had psvr for quite some time and 
Um, mm-hmm. There's some stuff that I've enjoyed in it a lot more than others. Uh, the stuff that I enjoy is basically when I'm stationary. Uh, but I get mm-hmm. I get extremely I'm extremely scared of heights. Um, I've, like yeah. I have been since a little kid. So my my I cr- you know I climb up a ladder, my hands start sweating, and I get nervous and I start freaking out. It's ridiculous. It's like my grown ass man. I should be able to climb up a ladder, but nope. Yeah. Uh, so like there's been times, um, and then the, and one of the opening levels of uh, Dara Sinead, you have to talk, you have to like interact with one of the kids and uh, he's up in, in a tree. And, like, yeah. That was, the, <laughs> that was the first time I was like, oh shit. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. But, uh, but before that, yeah, all of the, the teleporting stuff works so well and it moves you through mm-hmm. that world so quickly that I don't mind, you know, backtracking to try to find something in a puzzle or, you know, cause if I had to like slowly move through it with like a, you know, with like a, like a normal gamepad or something, I don't yeah. know that I would like it as much. Yeah, and, and it, it just it adds to that sort of like otherworldly aspect because you're sort of like hopping around. You're not like moving like a normal person. You're sort of hopping around like a little like a little fairy that we are really. But yeah, I get you on, on climbing the tree and you look down as like, oh no, <laughs> and especially you're sort of incorporeal, so you just see your hands floating there and you look down as oh no, there's nothing underneath me. <laughs> It's uh yeah. It's and it's one of those crazy from details that uh like I was mm-hmm. I was when I first got when you first get your hands right because yeah. like you go you pl- the very first of that game you're just kind of looking around at stuff and then so I was doing like the typical like oh wow my hands are moving with me at the same time and then like mm-hmm. your little transparent hand has like a scar on the side and I was like from yeah. software what are you doing <laughs> that was one of the first things I saw was like oh, we have a scar on our hand that means we're like we're like a person this is going to be relevant later <laughs> to <laughs> screenshots and it's like aliens like, look 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 <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> There's gonna be lore about this. I can. There's gonna be lore. (laughs) Well, without going into um, like spoiler territory for people Mm -hmm. that haven't played it, um, because I think this is gonna be a game that even if it's you know a year from now, like I still I'm still gonna be want to be careful with what I say about it because it feels like it's just Mm -hmm. full of surprises, and that's kind of the the game that you want to that you you want to experience that in the game. Um, yeah. How satisfied are you with the with the overall game? Like as a as this, from a story point, from a from software game, or or what have you? Um, from a story point, it wraps itself up without like obviously spoiling. It, it wraps itself up quite nicely, and it's not so open ended and ambiguous as say like Bloodborne or Dark Souls endings are. Mm-hmm. It's it sort of ends like it's dovetailed quite nicely. You know, the story the storyline is very tight, and it's not sort of like I suppose because it's sort of a very limited setting. You're sort of either in the school or there's like one area outside of the school, but um, that's like the latter half of the game. The storyline is sort of like very compressed, and but there's lots of like lots of little hidden things that sort of add to it. But it's like the main bulk of the story is within the school, so it's sort of very limited. Not well, not limited, but like or, or limited by design. You know, the, the limit, lim- yeah, limited, limited by design. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and we're still discovering stuff like we didn't know what the coins did. We found out what the coins do now. Oh, but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't play into achievements. So just playing the game, you get all the achievements. So it's not like any optional stuff. But um, yeah, we're still playing through it. And um, I was going through my second playthrough and I was still discovering stuff. And I was like, oh, OK, so I thought it was just like one linear experience. Mm-hmm. But it feels like there's different paths that you can take and you'll get different results each time. So we're going to have to do like multiple playthroughs just to find all of these paths. That's excellent. And I thought there was, yeah, I thought there was alternate endings and Richard told me, no, there's no alternate endings. Cause I got really scared at the end. <laughs> I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> this, I don't want to like, I keep saying this, I don't want to spoil, but like my heart, broke <laughs> oh, no. a couple of times i'm already w- i'm already way too attached to these children like mm-hmm. I, I barely know them but um one of the one of the one of the greatest details was when you um kind of get into the game proper there's a blackboard mm-hmm. with portraits of all of the children on it yeah and they're they it's, ha- it's just so cute and they have all their <laughs> names written down and i was like why is this one portrait like just it's like it's not terrible but it's obviously like drawn by somebody different and by somebody not and like mm-hmm. then you notice that every one of them was signed except for this one who was drawn by like it, I don't know? There's some just some real small details that they're they, they're, mm-hmm. they're they're kind of making me hunt for that gives me that good like from software satisfaction when I find them. Yeah, it's like all the world building of like I know Dark Souls and the Dark Souls series and Bloodborne have like these really sad 
stories, but then you get Duracene and it's all so cute and fluffy and it's like Miyazaki's trying to make up for all of the pain we had before. <laughs> but then he adds a bit of pain on later, but you know. Sure, of course. <laughs> Let's uh, talk of about course, that. Yeah. yes. It's always got to be something sad with that guy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's not so sad as bittersweet. And it's like, it hurts still, but you know, it's it's worth it. <laughs> I've, I've been talking a lot lately about the uh, the different characters and the different NPCs and, you know, mostly Bloodborne mm-hmm. and Dark Souls, but uh, now uh, Darius and A. And it's that, that bittersweetness, I think, is what really bonds people to mm-hmm. the characters. And that's why you get so, much, so many people with so many emotional attachments to, you know, an mm-hmm. Alfred or a Lady Maria or a Henrik mm-hmm. or, or whoever it is uh, that, you know, pe- that people just can't stop, like, writing about or drawing or anything, despite the, the very small amount of information that we have about them. Yeah. With, with that in mind, like, who do you think that you are, as far as characters are concerned, like, who do you, who do you think about the most from these games? Um, in Bloodborne, I, I know it sounds really stereotypical, I really like Alfred, <laughs> he's a murdering little shit. <laughs> he's clearly unhinged, he's a little fanboy. But it's just, I suppose it adds to his character, and I feel like they could have done a lot more with the Kanehurst um storyline and i feel like there was obviously a lot of cock content with bloodborne you could like you could do a whole podcast just on the cock content and one day one day we'll interview lance one day yeah <laughs> i'm gonna get him he keeps saying that his kids are yeah. too loud and i'm just gonna be like dude i can edit your kids out let's, let's just do the podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah that could be like a three-hour special because just there's so many so much cock content in bloodborne i feel like i know there's this this whole thing like oh yeah it's good that it was cut but i feel like some elements could have stayed in because it would have helped the story make a little bit more sense like which ones i feel like some things they cut um can you give an example i'm gonna put you on the spot (laughs) on the spot there's just too much to think about um i want i know i've said it before like with canehurst but the whole thing with canehurst is sort of like oh with Rom as well, like, why is Rom at the altar? Why is she there? Why is Abrietus there? Why were the names changed around? Um, I feel like the Moon Presence could have kept her chalice dungeon. Um, it's not her body. It's like, you know, that, that cut boss version of her mm-hmm. where she's sort of like a big slug flat on the floor type deal. I feel like if they'd managed to finish that, it would have given us like a bit more on her because she just sort of like pops out of nowhere in that ending and it's like oh, okay then there's like, oh by the way there's this big moon monster in the in the dreams like there was no real hints to her before apart there was like a couple of offhand remarks about hunt the great ones and the nameless the nameless moon presence was it flora or was that cut? I can't remember. It's all merging into one. <laughs> all the cut content and, mm-hmm. the, and the original content is all sort of merging into one in my head and I can't think what's, what's not cut. <laughs> oh, no. The, I'm uh, too deep. The, the most recent one was the uh, the snake ball the boss, which is just like yes, a, a I... giant ball of snakes that have snakes mm-hmm. coming out of every side with giant snake heads. And yeah, mm-hmm. just look like it would be... It's impressive to me that they can pull like AI and stuff like that out to like create those videos. Uh, mm-hmm. but that boss looked like it would be a nightmare to actually fight oh, or engage yeah. with. Like it would just be, I don't think that that boss would be fun. And that's one of the things that I'll look at when like, I look at this stuff. I'm like, would that have been like, yeah. would that have added to my enjoyment of this game or would it just like pissed me off a whole lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel the same about the living failures though. It's just like, <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> they don't add to my enjoyment of the game at all. Man, I um, I think when that DLC everyone, came out, and I was like, mm-hmm. and I got to that boss, and they came up as the living failures. I was like, really, Miyazaki? Like, this feels so on brand that I cannot even. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people relate. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like they just don't—they don't add into anything to the story. It's just like, what are you? <laughs> Why do you make my life hell? Yeah, why do you, I just want to fight Lady Maria? Why do you call meteors from the ground from the from the sky? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Oh man! Yeah. Do you uh, like going back to the fashion stuff for a bit? I know we're bouncing all mm-hmm. over the place, but I'm sorry. I'm I'm just eclectic like that today. I guess. <laughs> um, did Did you have like going into Dark Souls three? That's something that I really. That's one of the things about that game that I like the most. Were just the choices mm-hmm. that you have in all of your weaponry. Does your kind of fascination the with, the, with the fashion <laughs> extend to Dark Souls three as well? 
Um, my knowledge on sort of medieval fashion isn't that great compared to sort of like later periods. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of like focus more on like sort of the 16th, 17th century onwards. And I didn't really... I know some like military regalia, but not like a lot, especially like the weapons. There's so many weapons in Dark Souls 3. So many. Compared to Bloodborne, you've got like a very small sort of set of weapons, especially compared to Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. There's just so many weapons. It's just, it's too much choice. (laughs) I feel like there's too much choice in Dark Souls 3. And there's just, but it makes it great for fashion souls, even if you're running around with a crap weapon, like a pike or something. (laughs) Like a unleveled pike <laughs> running around in your <laughs> underpants <laughs> it's fashion baby of course absolutely yeah, yeah. i have a weird yeah, I desire like the fashion to, mm-hmm. to uh like dress in the grungiest stuff i can find like some of my favorite mm-hmm. stuff in bloodborne is like the sweaty clothes or the the, yeah. the, the real shitty hat that you can buy or that you can find yeah. somewhere i don't know like there's something about like going through and slaughtering monsters while looking like a peasant that just really works for me for some reason yeah yeah, running around in the, I think it's the um, the Desert Sorceress, because it's got like those really kinky thigh-high boots and oh, the yeah. heels. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll have to send you, uh, uh, that's you're talking about Dark Souls 2, I'll have to send you my mm-hmm. picture. Um, I took a bunch of screenshots, uh, and for the last time I beat Dark Souls 2, and uh, my character was a chick, and she was wearing like some Desert Sorceress stuff, but with that uh, mm-hmm. creepy hat that you get from uh, the Invader right before the Skeleton Lords. I can't ever remember her name. Um but it's just like it's a hat that has like just tendrils coming off of it, sticking straight up. So my chick is just on the throne, looking baller as hell, like in, like yeah. looking Gucci from the neck down and looking monstrous from yeah. the neck up. Like it was, it's yeah. fucking crazy. I'll send you some street shots later. Yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> Do you have what's your favorite outfit in Bloodborne? Since we're talking about it, in Bloodborne, I like to match it up. I really like the Tomb Prospector set because again, it's got them nice boots on it. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of like a nice a nice neutral grey palette to work with. I'm sensing a pattern um, with the footwear. Ailey's going to call me out. I know she will. <laughs> um, <laughs> or the Bone Ash set, because it makes that little callback to the whole ceremony of fire. That, mm-hmm. And also it's got like eight eyes. Is it eight eyes? Six eyes? I wish our set glowed like that, like when we wore it. But Yeah, you know. absolutely. Because yeah. it's got that nice fluffy skirt and it's got like the... You can make sort of like a little cowboy outfit. I think that's my favorite at the moment is you wear the bone ash top with um, any kind of pants. I think it's like the Yarnum Hunter pants I wear with it and like the um, old hunter's hat. And you, you look like a cowboy. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> you look like McCree, but really edgy. I have a uh, not that I played Overwatch, but I have an arcane build that um, mm-hmm. th- it's a dude and he's got like white hair or whatever. And uh, every once in a while, I'll equip. I think it's the knight's wig from Kanehurst, and it just for yeah. some reason, like the on the women characters, it gives them like a little jaunty hat. But on men characters, mm-hmm. it just gives them a ponytail. So it just turns my dude into like a real shitty bass player for like that's four years <laughs> old. <laughs> and I just something about that just again, like I just like like a, like hey, I'm a bass player in Yarnum. Uh, I gotta kill, <laughs> gotta hear Dalby's Pearl so I can get to my gig. <laughs> yeah. We've got a gig in um, Old Yarnum, but we've got to go through the doors. We can't go the other way because the old man on the roof will shoot us. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What um, like what? What are some of your favorite experiences playing these games? Uh, whether it's like with friends or, or just by yourself. Like, do you have anything that sticks out in your head as this was the moment? I think any any of the co op moments, especially in like Chalice Dungeons, and especially when lag kicks in. Especially if you're playing with someone overseas, the lag kicks in. It's just like, hey, your character's running in the spot, and oh nope, nope, she's gone. And oh no, your character hasn't loaded in. Your name, your name is running around the chalice dungeon. That's great. Um, yeah, just co-op shenanigans, just running around, like not actually fighting the boss, but running around, dicking, just dicking around Yarnum and like killing stuff and ragdolling bodies, and it was just, yeah. That's uh, co-op shenanigans is just the best. <laughs> it's so much. I mean, like that's true with any video game. Like playing with your friends is, mm-hmm. is so much fun. But I feel like with Souls games, like there's so much crazy shit that you can come up with to do, <laughs> or you just don't even come up with. Like it just happens, and it's just it's, yeah. it, it creates all of these stories by itself, and it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. What uh, if like you mentioned before that you were more looking forward to Darius and to than to Sekiro. 
What, mm-hmm. What's your kind of dream from software game at this point, having played like through Bloodborne and th- through Darasene and all this other stuff? Like if you could, if you could whisper in Miyazaki's ear and ask him to create a game, <laughs> what would it be? Um, I think, and this is going to sound really unpopular, another VR game in the sort of the vein of Darasene, because oh, I think they've really nailed it on the head with this one. I mean, it's not a perfect game by any means. I feel like uh, towards like the sort of the middle of the game, it sort of has to keep reminding you, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a video game. And it sort of detracts from the story and the story starts to get really tense. And it's, oh, by the way, you've got to go find someone's glasses. Like, oh, but I, I need to find out what's happening over there. And so I've got to go find your damn glasses. Like, <laughs> um, I feel like if they build on how well they've done in Dyson, I don't know. I feel like it should be it should have had a lot more hype and I feel like they've sort of let it slide in favor of Sekiro because Sekiro is obviously their big bucks mm-hmm. um, action RPG at the moment. So they're going to throw loads of money at that and loads of advertising at that. And I feel like Destiny has sort of fallen on the wayside a little bit. I feel like it deserves a little more credit. But then again, it's that whole inaccessibility thing because like VR is just really expensive even though it's been out quite a few years. And I think that's going to like detract a lot of people it's going to put a lot of people off. I feel like it's a little, it's a nice little gem of game. And I feel like if they worked more on more VR games in that sort of vein, it's going to be a really unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why did you say that? <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, I've, I've always, uh, the, the most common response I get to that question on this podcast is I want from software to do whatever from software wants to do. Like I want them to get mm-hmm. weird with it. And to me, like making, a weird VR title is the perfect amount of, you know, getting weird with it, right? Like that's, yeah. it's, it's something that you, something that's just, it's just strange. It's not Dark Souls 4 or Bloodborne 2 or, or what have mm-hmm. you. And I don't know, like I, I was lucky enough to have a PS, PSVR already. So I was, I was just kind of into it. Like I, I, you know, for the moment I could pre-order it, I was pre-ordering that bad boy. So, mm-hmm. I, so I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's going to be an unpopular opinion at all. Yeah. I feel like, FromSoft do best when they're sort of allowed to um, have a little bit of free reign in terms of what they're creating and they're not sort of, I feel like, and I, obviously I don't know what goes on behind the scenes in terms of like corporate, but I feel like a lot of the games have suffered a little bit in terms of like the cut content and like they've been set these deadlines and they've obviously had to cut a lot of aspects of the game and I feel like they wanted to put this in the game, but obviously they've run out like technical difficulties and they've got deadlines running up and it's like, oh, well, we just have to cut it, you know. And I know um, they wanted to do like the phases in Bloodborne, but like the the mobs would change. I think everybody would turn into a werewolf at the Blood Moon, but that obviously never happened. And I feel like Bloodborne could have benefited from that. Like sort of like the um, the phases, they're not called, well, tendencies in uh, Demon Souls. Yeah. So I played a little bit of mm-hmm. Demon Souls as well before it. Um, I really rage quit on that one. <laughs> I tried to play it while the service was still up, and um, I think I was like right at the edge of my wick, and like I was finally trying to get across the bridge where the damn dragons are, and the world just unloaded beneath me. <laughs> and my character just fell into oblivion. I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm not touching this game again for a while. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I feel like from makes like if, if they're given. Like obviously a budget, but like if they're allowed to sort of exercise their ideas and like have a little bit of free reign, I think they they're very well. They're obviously very capable of making great games, but like I think just letting them do whatever, and you know, I think they can come up with some really great games in the future if it's not like tempered by deadlines or like corporate interference or like just like meddling between directors or what have you. But yeah. We don't want another Dark Souls two, <laughs> even though that's a quite good, quite a good game. But yeah, it suffered. Yeah, it, def- it did yeah, suffer it, from director having, change. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, playing Bloodborne and getting involved in the community, like we talked about earlier, um, has changed you either as a person or as a person who plays video games? Um, it's. Interacting with the community has, like, really brought me out of my shell. Like, I would never have thought about doing a podcast. I mean, it's taken me a really long time just to get on here. It was, like, trying to get the the stones to do this. 
um, I think it's really brought me out of my shell. I'm not sort of sort of existed in my own little corner before in terms of like game communities, but I feel like interacting with the FromSoft community is like made me grow a little bit as a person. Maybe not quite grow up because I was already grown up, but you know, yeah, I feel like I'm a lot better off for having discovered FromSoft games and especially the community. It's just it's just been the best thing. Honestly, it's the best thing that's happened to me. (laughs) It's pretty damn good. (laughs) The real Dark Souls were the friends you made along the way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Vodka, thank you so much for for finally agreeing to be on the show. Finally. Um, (laughs) um, One of those people that I was chasing for like a year. (laughs) Mm. Um, So thank you very much for guesting on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, This has been an absolute delight. so, So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I finally made it. I can say I finally made it. <laughs> Thank going, you for having me. I'm going to get the whole server, just the, the, the whole private server that we don't actually talk about in public. I'm going to get all of you. <laughs> so don't worry. I'm coming for every single one of you. <laughs> that sounds so threatening. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? <laughs> I meant it that We're way, too. We're coming for you. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. um, tell everybody where you can be found on the internet. Cause, uh, oh, I wanted to mention this too. Uh, you're, you're an artist. You, you've done a bunch of illustrations and things like that. Uh, and like, I, it's just a lot. So your stuff is so good. So where can people go see that? Oh, thank you. Um, I am vodka folly BB on Twitter. Um, where I'm most active shit posting, obviously. Um, my Tumblr is just vodka folly as well. I'm pretty much vodka folly everywhere. I have an Instagram account, but I don't really use it. Um, Same. But yeah, Twitter Twitter or Tumblr is where you can find me most days. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'll put links to that in the show notes. I very much encourage you to go follow Vodka on Twitter because she's extremely funny and uh, <laughs> you, you, you will not regret it. And uh, yeah, it's fun stuff. So thank you once again for guesting on the show. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has a link to Patreon if you want to slot a couple of bucks in my pocket. It has links to the t-shirt if you want to put a skelly in your belly. It also has links to the previous episodes and places to review the show. Thank you, everybody, who has been reviewing it lately. There's been some really nice ones in there, and I very much appreciate that. Uh, thank you, more importantly, just for every one of you that are out there listening. I really appreciate that, too. Uh, this podcast is so much fun to do and it wouldn't be that way if I didn't if I thought I was just sending it out there to the void without anybody to listen to it we'll be back next week with another great guest and until then remember don't give up skeleton skeleton